This is a Federal News Network podcast. A new cyber incident reporting mandate seemed well on its way to being included in this year's National Defense Authorization Act. But the push to have critical companies report hacks to the government, it fell apart at the last minute. For more Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins me in studio. And Justin, what happened on this requirement? What What's the story here? Well, ultimately, it kind of fell victim to a very unusual NDAA process this year in the Senate. The House had passed its version of the NDAA back in September, and it included these requirements for critical infrastructure operators to report cyber incidents to CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, within 72 hours. And there was a similar bill that passed through the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee earlier this fall. But ultimately, the Senate got a time crunch when it came to passing the NDAA. They had a lengthy infrastructure debate. And then the NDAA debate was kind of threatened by amendments on the debt limit and some other high-profile issues. And ultimately, the Senate and the House went into a a pre-conference, is what they're calling it, where they conferenced the bill before even passing it out of the Senate to just get to something they could agree on. And ultimately, it did not include these cybersecurity incident reporting provisions for critical infrastructure companies. Sounds like companies pushed back on this through their senators and through their lobbyists. Do you get that sense? Well, there was actually bipartisan support for these provisions, and companies had pushed back somewhat. But the Chamber of Commerce notably supported this provision, uh, Hmm. which they haven't in the past. But what happened was it got down to some wrangling in the during the pre-conference that I mentioned earlier, where Senate Democrats or Democrats in the House and Senate blamed on Senate Republican leadership for not prioritizing the issue. They actually pointed at uh, Senator Rick Scott from Florida, who had some issues with the Senate version of the the bill, where it would have required all companies with over 50, 50 employees to report ransomware attacks to the government. He wanted to limit that to critical infrastructure operators. Democrats say he ultimately dragged that out to the point where they could not submit the language in time to include it in the compromise bill. I spoke to, or I emailed with Rick Scott's spokesman. He, he said that's patently false and that he wanted to get it passed. He just wanted to clarify that one issue. At the end of the day, it's not included in the bill and they'll have to find another vehicle. It's all sort of ironic in light of the DOD's concern with the supply chain and companies in the supply chain and their cybersecurity posture. But, well... As they say in baseball, there's always next year. And so what is next for the legislation itself, for the NDA? They are coming as close to the deadline as they ever have. Well, the NDAA has been – the compromise NDAA has been passed by the House already, and it's now moving on to the Senate. And it's unlikely that it will see any amendments. That's why they came up with this compromise bill, so you wouldn't have issues like the debt limit tank this must-pass defense bill. So as far as the, the cyber incident reporting requirements – Sponsors of the, that bill, they, they said that they're going to try to look for other vehicles to, to pass it before next year's NDAA because that's a whole year away. And they say they need critical infrastructure companies to be on the hook for reporting cyber attacks to the government sooner than that. Yeah, I guess this whole idea of the cybersecurity reporting requirement would go down easier if there was a concomitant provision such that if you have a breach and you have done all that you are supposed to to prevent a breach, that you won't get, say, the Federal Trade Commission coming down on you after reporting this to the government and doing your duty. That's part of the back and forth. And the the legislation didn't include any sort of 
uh, penalties for, you know, if you report an attack and you weren't in compliance with some sort of cyber standard that you would you would face penalties. Uh, and it also included some uh, s- some procedures where companies wouldn't have to face those penalties. So so the government and legislators have been working to include those assurances. But ultimately, it still faced some opposition. It still faced some issues with the NDAA schedule, and they did not come through this year. And some agencies have started requiring on their own companies to report hacks. Tell us more about that. You've been reporting on that also. That's right. The Department of Homeland Security has been doing the cyber sprint, they're calling it, with the transportation sector. And the Transportation Security Administration, since the summer, has been issuing these cyber reporting mandates to gas and oil pipelines, to now rail, large rail operators for both both passenger and freight, and to the aviation sector. So all of those sectors now have some form of an incident reporting requirement where they have to tell CISA when they get a, get a cyber attack. But that's only one part of the 16 critical infrastructure sectors, obviously, in water, the water sector, financial services. Uh, they don't necessarily face those requirements yet. And getting back to the National Defense Authorization Act for 2022, interesting, they'll have an ND, they'll be authorized for the Defense Department, but not necessarily funded, except on the CR. But that's another question. What else is in the bill now, in the compromise bill that looks headed toward passage that people need to know about? Well, there were a few notable cyber provisions in there that did end up in the compromise bill. The uh, the CISA director has been authorized through this bill, would be authorized through this bill, to work with Internet companies to stamp out potential threats that they're identifying in concert with each other. That'll probably uh, coincide with CISA's new Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. There's also a, a new national cyber exercise program that's uh, authorized in the bill that would test out the federal response to a massive cyber attack that might take down a government network. And and it also allows the National Cyber Director's Office to accept detailees from other agencies. Remember, that office just got started earlier this summer, and they're still staffing up. And then one more thing that didn't make it into the bill was a codification of the FISMA program. So that's something to look forward to next year. All right. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. 
uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. Uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important and you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship 
uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <laughs> um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gain the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.